Beautiful, beautiful stuff. That was really good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, hi guys, welcome to our first episode of Breaking Lines, which is going to be a poetry podcast. First episode of, oh, we're planning about six seasons. I think that was the idea. At least. Yep. Yeah, at least. Yep. We're in for the long haul here. Mm, absolutely. It's going to, be, going to be a blast. A thrill ride. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, my name is David Van Corter, and I have with me Simon Cockle. Yes, that's me, yeah. And Jay Ward. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> it was very uh, authoritative, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 yeah, I got too excited. Everyone but, knows but it is exciting, there. it is exciting. It is, yeah. It, it's shining anew, and, and no one has ever done a podcast before. No, nope, never. This is the first one. I don't even I, know. I've <laughs> never even heard of what a podcast is. I don't even know what it means. No. Or even, yeah, not only has not anyone done a podcast before, but about poetry, that's also completely new. No one. No, no one, one, ever. <laughs> so, this, that's why we're calling it Breaking Lines, because that's what we're doing. We are breaking through the lines, through the boundaries, and creating... Art. Art. Yeah, basically. That's what this... That's, that essentially, that's what we're doing. Yeah. This is like an installation, isn't it, or a kinetic sculpture, or a... It's a happening, isn't it? It's I, a wild happening. I can feel it happening right now. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm confused by it, so it's going to be great. Well, yeah. that's, that's a good start. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a structure. We have a structure for this. It's not just us going to ramble. The first bit, we're going to be reading a favourite poem of ours that isn't by us. Then they're going to have a workshop, which we're all going to sit down and write and invite you to do it as well send us in your stuff then in the second part we might talk a bit about lyrics favorite lyrics in songs we might try and sneak in some songs which are out of copyright and then we will reveal our workshop poems and generally go off subject that we will be writing as we're talking we can multitask right on now. the fly because we're professionals aren't we that's mm. semi it's what we've been trained for <laughs> i've chosen this poem by simon armitage uh, called The Shout, my mate Simon, as I like to call him. Mm. I met him once 18 years ago. And he actually read this poem because uh, at the time, this book had just come out, and so he read this to us. And I've always loved it, so I will read it to you now. The Shout. We went out into the schoolyard together, me and the boy whose name and face I don't remember. We were testing the range of the human voice. He had to shout for all he was worth. I had to raise an arm from across the divide to signal back that the sound had carried. He called from over the park. I lifted an arm. Out of bounds, he yelled from the end of the road, from the foot of the hill, from beyond the lookout post of Fretwell's farm. I lifted an arm. He left town, went on to be 20 years dead with a gunshot hole in the roof of his mouth in Western Australia. Boy with the name and face I don't remember. You can stop shouting now. I can still hear you. So, there we go. That's Mm. Simon Armitage. Why do I like this poem? Um, Hang on a minute, minute, Dave. Why do you like that poem? Oh, Mm. I'm glad you asked (laughs) me that. (laughs) 
<laughs> I want you to read this because it's sort of the first one in this as well because it's about talking, it's about communicating. It's about distance between people. I think it's a very simple idea about a kind of children's game. Anyone who knows me know I love to write poems about games, like to play games. Mm-hmm. The, the idea, I, I think what it is, is I've always retained this idea in gaming and mm-hmm. games and being uh, important. It's not just for children. Games are about embracing life, have fun with life and not just sit to the same old thing and the same old standard day after day uh, games get you out of that they kind of engage your imagination they, they get you sort of working thinking in a different way you can have tiny victories is my phrase i like mm. so you, you you win a game you think oh that's it yeah I've, I've enjoyed that but um, i'm not about computer games i like sort of board games role-playing games ones with other people where you're talking to them and you're kind of getting feedback and engagement and you're, you're having a having a happening having a moment with them mm. for this poem to take this idea of a child's game and to extend it and then to talk about his relationship with this with this boy who's you know whose name and face i don't remember Re- really important it's all about how it's an important moment for him how far can you stand away and still understand still you go further and further back mm-hmm. so you get this sense of distance and distance and then the the killer literally the killer ending oh okay that's when you communicate you you can stop shouting now i can still hear you that's when you start to communicate is when people stop shouting and and they start talking to each other so it hits on a kind of an essential truth about how we how we talk to each other and how distance warps that and makes it different but really we're about we're in this together it's a universal human truth that he's writing about here Mm. but in a very specific and quite witty way i think and and Mm. very easy to understand and i think that's what poetry should be it shouldn't be lots of obscure words and references to greek mythology it should be people could should be able to get it and understand Mm. what you're talking about it it should feel slightly familiar would you say in the i've had that experience or someone's clarified that for me now in a way i was trying to think along Mm. the ideas of you know communication yeah that's a good good connection you know if, if you get something oh right that yeah and yeah. then that and the words just fit that experience a, a poem has got to say something to people hasn't it and and if it's if it's too obscure it reduces the amount of people that it says something to it's faulty isn't it because if, if it doesn't reach everyone then, then there's a problem and that poem sort of is about that it's about how you talk to each other how a, uh, a whisper can be devastating as much as how you think a shout is sometimes it's not just distance in terms of space is about talking to the past talking in time and space as well as you know that's that. about our attachments right okay so who wants to go next yeah okay well i've chosen the poet keith douglas now if you've not heard of keith douglas he was a second world war poet we're saturated with first world war poets but obviously there, there have been poets serving in all sorts of conflicts and he, like Owen, died right at the end of the war. Well, he died on D-Day in the assault on the, the beaches in Normandy. And he was only, uh, I think he was 24 when he died, so it's very sad. But he wrote a poem, um, which I'm going to read now, which I came across in a, an anthology that's used in schools. So I, I think I read it when I was a teenager, and I've taught it as well, although it's always the worst thing in the world to teach a poem to a class of students if the poem is one that you really love because what ends up happening is that they then say oh it's rubbish what what does that mean it doesn't mean anything and then of course you get really irritated because they've just you know defiled your favorite poem so i have taught this poem once and it's called behavior of fish in an egyptian tea garden as a white stone draws down the fish 
She on the seafloor of the afternoon draws down men's glances and their cruel wish for love. Her red lip on the spoon slips in a morsel of ice cream. Her hands white as a shell, a submarine fronds, sink with spread fingers, lean along the table, carmined at the ends. A cotton magnet, an important fish with great eye pouches and a golden mouth through the frail reefs of furniture, swims out and, idling, suspended, stays to watch. A crustacean old man, clamped to his chair, sits near her and might coldly see her charms through fissures where the eyes should be or else his teeth are parted in a stare. Captain on leave, a lean, dark mackerel lies in the offing, turns himself and looks through currents of sound. The flat-eyed flatfish sucks on a straw, staring from its repose, laxly, and gallants in shoals swim up and lag, circling and passing near the white attraction, sometimes pausing, opening a conversation. Fish pause so to nibble or tug, but now the ice cream is finished, is paid for. The fish swim off on business, and she sits alone at the table, a white stone, useless, except to a collector, a rich man. I mean, it's, it's, it's an incredible extended metaphor, the men of fish, and, and she's, she's a stone that they swim around. It's really quite a disturbing poem in that it refers to that cruel need for love, doesn't it? Uh, the cruel wish for love. And it's quite sinister because, of course, she's like a victim. She's incapacitated while these men swim around her, trying to possess her. But then, of course, they all swim off. And the only thing about this poem is the fact that she's a, referred to as a white stone, useless except to a collector. And I think that's a poem that, you know, through the sort of lenses of, of Me Too and, and the 21st century, that idea that she's useless except to a collector, that, of course, is a point that, you know, sticks when you when you read the poem. But secondly, coming back to what I said about teaching, is interesting because, of course, that's where you could start with that poem. You could think about that idea about, you know, it, does she have the power over them? Do they have the power over her? So there's an interesting tension in the poem, but I think that tension comes about just because now, you know, in the 21st century, we have a, a very different attitude. And I think that his poem is definitely of that time. But he obviously saw that happening. He obviously saw in Egypt this particular scene. And I think it's, it's an incredible way that he uses language to recreate that idea, uh, that, that experience that he had. So, yeah, that's one of my favourite poems. I like the line in the... Um, the fish swim off in business was it the fish swim off on business, on business and she sits alone at the table but it's 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 quite a haunting poem you know it's it's quirky and, and odd but it's it's quite haunting as well because saying what men are like that we're all just fish basically there's a certain poise to that poem yeah. as well there is a that, that she is perhaps at the mercy of too many things yeah it's changed yeah. now well Depending on who you're speaking. <laughs> okay, this is a, a poet I've very recently discovered. Oh, I've had another call from Sudan, I think, by the way. Anyway. South Sudan. Uh, Shall I check? So, yeah. South Sudan. Okay. So we didn't mention this at the beginning, at, uh, but no. we were awaiting an urgent call from Africa. Uh, I should say that this is not the poem. We're not reading sections each from it. It's South Sudan, yeah. Oh, South Sudan. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll block that one. There we go. 
Cool. Right. Yeah. yeah, we don't want them interrupting the podcast. No, that's right. Unless they've got a poem for us. So this is um, Elizabeth Smither, and she's from New Zealand. And I love this poem. It's, it's called The Sea Question. The sea asks, how is your life now? It does so obliquely, changing colour. It is never the same on any two visits. It is never the same in any particular, only in generalities, tired in such matters, wave height and suction, pebbles that rattle. It doesn't presume to wear a white coat, but it questions you like a psychologist as you walk beside it on its long couch. A short poem, three stanzas, and it really catches upon that idea that when we're at the coast, we do find ourselves confronting our life. There's something about that, looking into the sea, Mm. that brings these thoughts to the surface. I like the way that she views that as the the self-healing mm. as a psychologist, mm. which is kind of an interesting interplay between, oh, we go to someone else to be healed sometimes. And perhaps sometimes we just need to find better mm. places to go or mm. environments to be in. We can help ourselves, not to undermine any mental health professional at all. God, no, but no, of course not. There is sometimes, you know, options we don't take about healing ourselves. Yeah. In the title, she says it's a question as well. So it's not particularly dictatorial. No. It's come with me on this walk. And at the end, it comes together, a long couch, a beautiful way of looking at a beach. You're instantly there. It's almost like Mm. it's about one specific moment, one specific place. You don't need to say anything more than that. You know, two characters outside of you, the, mm. the sea and the land, mm. and yourself involved. The sea is like a kind of a, a, a sort of a blank canvas, really, isn't it? You can stare at it and and the answer that comes back is, is what you need to know. And that it changes, it's offering a, a, a perhaps a wisdom we overlook, that you, you'll be yourself, but you're also changing as well. I think that is, when, especially when you're writing poetry, you look back and you do see how your poems change. I think we've all had difficulties in looking back and thinking, yeah. I would edit that now. And yeah. there's that debate of, do I go back and change it or do yeah. I let it be and accept it for how I was at the time? I think that poem really mm. does go into all of that. This... When you said go back and change it, I suddenly thought that idea of the grandfather paradox... You go back and change, you go back and kill your grandfather yeah. and then you don't exist. Like time travel. Yeah. But you didn't mean that, did you? You meant just go back and, and edit it. Well, I was thinking about a step... <laughs> I was thinking about yeah. a step-grandfather for some bizarre reason. And why would just go and kill an innocent man? You go back and kill your step-grandfather. And the whole thing... <laughs> Well, it won't affect you then, will it? Yeah, exactly. And then you yeah. say, well, why did you do that? And then it's history just... doesn't change at all. Yeah. Well, not for you. Yeah. Some guy comes up to you. Well, you know, and just say, why have you done that? Yeah. Just you like, just wiped out your friend. Yeah, I didn't get that memo. I just I misunderstood. Hmm. So, oh, so I have to go and kill my real grandfather, not my step-grandfather. Yeah. That's, oh, I, I don't it. know why I went I'm there. really sorry to the family of the step-grandfather. Yeah. It's just a yeah. disaster of a thought you have to go back in time to not... <laughs> To then push the step grandfather out the way, so you, you could go back kill and kill them. You could kill yourself, so that you don't end up killing the step grandfather. Yeah, that would work. That'd be it? fine. And yeah. then you're gone. But don't don't you? It, wouldn't yeah. it be best to like maim yourself <laughs> <laughs> as yeah. you're taking the shot? Like to a kill. halfway house. Yeah. Was Back to the Future like this? Was <laughs> there maiming and 
Pretty much. There's a bit of maiming. He, bit. He, he kissed his own mother, didn't he? Yeah. 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 Is that maiming? Kind of. I suppose. A psychological maiming. <laughs> yeah. It was more of a psychological so, maiming. That is psychological sort of cutting your arms, really, isn't it? Kind yeah. Thing, yeah. Self-harm. Yeah. If I criticise Back to the Future once, just for one thing, because yeah. it's pretty amazing, there yeah. is not enough maiming. There's not enough body horror in it. <laughs> it's There's not enough in a torture. Sense, in a sense, it's completely unrealistic of so what you, would happen if you did go yeah. back in time. It would be like Saul, would it? I, mean, I don't know what my yeah. superiors in the time travel business would be thinking of me and my escapades. Yeah. See, uh, this, that poem is not about that. <laughs> no, it's not, <laughs> How did we get on to that? I don't know. I was going to listen back to the podcast and actually try and work out how we got from that poem to cutting your arm off and back to the future. (laughs) (laughs) That's the genius of the poem. That's the genius. That's 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 probably why she wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. So that anyone that read it would suddenly start talking about something that was... Time travel maiming. Yeah. And what's the acceptable level? What's the re- realistic level? Yeah, what does it for? say in the Constitution? That cruel and unusual punishment. Um, talking of cruel and unusual punishment... Yes. We're, we're going to introduce a workshop. That was the, that was oh, the, the workshop? Bit. I thought it was so, the music. Yeah, no, it's the workshop, isn't it? Well, the music is to inspire yeah. you oh, yes. while you write the workshop. That's the plan. So okay. you have all these this brilliant idea, and yeah. then you listen to a wonderful, soothing piece of free jazz, yeah. and by the end of it, you've got your masterpiece. So just to be clear then... All the folks at home, that's what we call them, don't we? All mm-hmm. the folks I thought you were saying free jazz, just to be clear yeah. about the free jazz. Do you <laughs> mean it's free? Well, it's, yeah. from, it's free form jazz you have or to free jazz. To listen to it. It's double meaning, it's poetry, so yeah. we can have both. So, all the people listen to this podcast, they can listen to the workshop that uh, <clears> the brief <throat> that we're going to say any minute now, and we will write a poem just like you guys yep. are going to write a poem as well. If you're pen not, right here. Yeah, yeah, but if well. you're driving, we have to say this because it's stipulated, isn't it? If you're driving, oh. you must not get out a notepad and start writing at the wheel. True. Because we <clears> don't <throat> want to be, you know, litigated yeah. against don't, in, yeah, in the high court. Police officers are busy. They haven't got time for yeah. rogue poet, poetry. Do I mean, it? there's too many, too many car crashes because of people writing haiku at the wheel. <laughs> you could do a voice yeah. memo I remember I seeing I mean, a leaflet about it in my local leisure centre because then if it's you crash high, high kills they were calling them yeah. isn't it some kind of pun there that's right if you if you crash the, you have to get out and the police officer says right uh, reason to believe you've been drinking could you do some iambic pentat yeah. I'm, I'm afraid you, you have to get it right if you, you use too many syllables there I'm afraid yeah yes. your honour that's it against. yeah that's, that's, that's not pentameter that's quadrameter so Crimes against poetry. You nick, son. Mm. Yeah, if that hasn't confused you enough, w- yeah. what are we doing now? Yeah. Well, we're writing haikus. Somebody said something about wings. Yeah. Paul, Paul McCartney. Paul Write McCartney. a haiku about Paul McCartney. McCartney. I've, d- I've got thousands. What about... I'm very weak with Ringo. So we all. Does he get overlooked to the point that people don't write haikus about him? That's terrifying. Ringo is that app that you can use to pay for your parking on- online, isn't mm. it? He must be loaded. Then. <laughs> <laughs> if he's just, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. If he's still going, so are we seriously going to write a haiku about the Beatles? Well, and that's, that, and that's our brief, is it? Well, it sounds like a plan. 
All right then, okay. In the meantime, like, then, like. while we get on and do that, shall I introduce my piece of music? Excellent. It's a haunting piece of piano blues by Leroy Carr, which is in the public domain, so we can play it as many times as we want. Yay! And it doesn't matter. Play it on repeat. Um, yeah. And it's a song called Six Cold Feet, and it's haunting. It's all about death. And we will listen to it. And then we will talk about it at the start of the second part of this podcast. And it started. Oh, very nice. Indeed, it came up a lot quicker than I imagined. All right, well, we'll, we'll fade this up. It'll, it'll yes. be fine in the edit. It will be, yes. It'll be fine. Right, I'm going to eat the other half of that biscuit now. While Leroy talks about death. Hang on, South Sudan are calling. Back in a minute. Just remember me, baby. When I'm in six feet of cold, cold ground Just remember me, baby When I'm in six feet of cold, cold ground Always think of me, mama Just say there's a good man gone down Don't cry, baby Baby, after I'm gone Don't cry, baby Don't cry after I'm gone I'm just a good man, love you And I ain't done nothing wrong Just lay my body Just lay my body Baby, in six cold feet of ground Well, I'll have to be the loser When the deal goes down Welcome back to Breaking Lines. I'm David Van Corter. Uh, we also have Simon Cockle here and uh, Jay Ward. Hello. Hello. <laughs> we set you a task over the course of that song to write a haiku to do with the Beatles, and we were all doing it as well, scribbling away. Who yeah. wants to go first? I'll start off. Mine's untitled at the minute. John Paul, George and Ringo, but not Yoko. George Martin? Yes, George Martin. Him. <laughs> 
I think you'll find that's 575. Excellent. It's Speaks. haunting, isn't it? It's, it's haunting. Well, I like the song we were listening to. It's distressing, but oddly uplifting. It speaks to my very soul. That was what I had in mind when I wrote it, actually. Good, good. Uh, there's a lot of names in it, I noticed. There are, yeah. What was the purpose behind including a lot of names in your poem? Because um, they were the names of the Beatles, mm. and it's about people. So Just... I felt that names would be quite appropriate. Oh, I thought his name was John Paul George Ringo. I thought that was his whole name. Yeah, oh. that's all one person. <laughs> John Paul, George, and Ringo was, was just one person. He was, he was a pope, yeah. wasn't he? All the others were just bad finger. It's just the, the backing band, I think. Wow, there we okay. go. I think, yeah. I think Jay, it's Jay's turn. I've done something. I think it's a haiku. Yeah. I've called it a song. Mop hair, they came here, sung guitar and drum, love and death, a day in your life. Because that's the title of one of their songs, isn't it? A song. But it's also a day in our lives, isn't it? Oh. That's true. Mm. I decided to change it. I was two when the Beatles split up, so I don't remember much about that day. Didn't they split up on a roof? <laughs> yeah, they did. painful. Didn't they just had enough of being on the roof? Just thought, that. <laughs> we are not doing this anymore. That is it. I don't want to be in this band anymore. Because they, they played Shea Stadium, hadn't they? Not the roof, though. <laughs> not the roof of Shea Stadium. <laughs> That's all they ever did was roofs. <laughs> you might be mixing up the split with the gig that they did on the roof of Abbey Road, perhaps. Yeah, but, uh, we'll do anything as long as it's on a roof. <laughs> Don't mind. As long as we're elevated. Yeah. And there's tiles in a chimney. That one on the Empire yeah. State was ridiculous. Nobody could hear them. They had King Kong to help out and it still didn't, you know. But that was Yoko's idea, wasn't it, for them to do it on top of the Empire State because she said, I've got a really great idea. So you do a gig that no one can hear. It's an installation. (laughs) But it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's a statement, isn't it, about fame and art. Do you want to hear mine then? Yeah. In honour of the Fab Four, I've done four. So it's called Fab Four Haiku. See what I did there? Put it all together. very clever. Yeah. We all live in a yellow submarine, a yell low submarine. La. This is the second one. I'd like to be under the sea in an octo pussy's garden. La. This is the third one. Get back, get back, get back to where you once belonged. Get back, get back. La. And the fourth one. Yesterday, all my troubles seemed so far away. Oh, yesterday. La. Is is the la appendage at the end of every haiku? Is that mm. a reference to the Liverpool way of saying friend? That's well spotted. Yes, yeah, yes. thank you very much. Yeah. Yes, did did you notice the Liverpool accent I got through as well? Uh, yeah, it's very thick. It was, it was very, yeah, almost impenetrable. So at like times, the, I thought it was mm. a completely different accent. So, like the Lars, they were from Liverpool, weren't they? They did. Um, <laughs> there she goes. Uh, there she goes. That was a song about heroin, wasn't it? No. Yeah. Was it? There she goes oh, again. I think I was about... Pulsing through my veins. Six. No one told uh, me at the time. Yeah. It was about heroin. All, almost all songs are about heroin. <laughs> Perfect Day by Lou Reed. That was about heroin. Yeah. That G- suede song, Heroin. Yeah. With an E on the end. Yeah. Because that was about, about heroin and Actually, e. yeah. that song features a line from a poem. She walks in beauty like, like the, the night. night. Isn't Absolutely. That beautiful? Yeah. Actually, we have segued into lyrics now, haven't we? <sighs> Wow, perfect. It's almost like we planned it. Genie in a Bottle by Christine. See, now O'Reilly. that gives the impression that, that we heroin. planned it, but we didn't. Hot and Cold, Katy Perry, that was about heroin. <laughs> <laughs> about trying to go cold turkey, wasn't it? About feeling hot, then cold. 
Shake It Out by Taylor Swift. That was Shake Out the Drugs. Shake Out the Dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barbie Girl. Yeah, Barbie That was about um, um, getting it through customs. Aqua, yeah. <laughs> Aqua, the yeah. They're all about heroin, aren't they? Almost mm. every popular song you can think of. In fact, I can't think of a song that isn't. And I am wrecking my brains here. Wow. The wheels on the bus go round and round. I don't think that's about oh, it's her. a metaphor, isn't it? Yeah. It's a metaphor <laughs> uh, for some people have said it's tying like a coke up, and, you know, and your works, isn't it? It's oh. all about yeah, and the spoon and stuff. Oh. Wheels on the bus, the spoon, <laughs> probably. If anyone has any heroin-based songs, send them in. Heroin by the Velvet heroin. Underground. Interesting. That wasn't about heroin. That was actually about. Uh, cheeseburgers but they just thought it would sound edgier if they called it heroin I love the Velvet Underground as, as you will discover when I don't choose any of their lyrics <laughs> <laughs> so that's what this bit was going to be yeah. about it was going to be we all bring a song which yeah. we can't play for legal reasons we could hum them couldn't we that would be alright wouldn't it I don't know the legality of humming so the, the lyrics that we're going to choose we're then going to explain why we like them as lyrics yeah. or you know maybe uh, talk about what distinguishes a lyric from a poem that might yeah. be be quite interesting whatever comes up really who's on first I'll go first one of my favourite lyrics is from watching the detectives Elvis Costello there's a line in it the preamble is I don't know how much more of this I can take that's not the bit that I like but it then says she's filing her nails while they're dragging the lake and I just I, I love that idea she's filing her nails while they're dragging the lake so he's got that kind of repetition of the syntax but just that idea of her filing her nails and, and you can see that pulpy detective film kind of thing going on while she's doing that and then behind her they're dragging the lake and she knows what's going on but, and she's all calm and composed. I just like the fact that he's managed to capture and evoke that scene in just one single line. I mean, the rest of the lyrics are, are, are great as well, but it's I just really love that line and especially the way that he sings it. But yeah, that's that's one of my favourite lyrics okay it's very short isn't it yeah I can talk more but <laughs> no it's fine I mean let's let's get some more over here from, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. from Jay Sufjan 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 I, lo- I love Smithers. him I lo- you know this is an affection yeah Sufjan <laughs> no honestly that is 100% it's an affection just say Stevens I think he used to hang about with cat quite a lot and, and you know look at that for perfect timing oh it's a cat We've got an extra member of our podcast. Oh. This is Sammy. Is Sammy going to choose some lyrics? Hey, Sammy. <laughs> Cat-related <laughs> lyrics. They'll probably involve fish and meow. Oh, there's food in there. This is from a song that comes in two parts. Um, his album, Come On Feel the Illinois. I see what he did there. The song is very long. It's in two parts. It always influences me to write, even yeah. just hearing it. I don't have to really pick out particular lines just the emotions i feel in it mm-hmm. and the music links but it's it's very different not genres but rhythms at, at times i might have to read a lot because one of his lines he repeats and i like simply that he repeats mm. it so the, it opens oh great intentions i've got the best of interventions but when the ads come i think about it now in my infliction entrepreneurial conventions take us to the glory i think about it now and he does that all the way through that I think about it now. And you would think that that was perhaps at first hearing lazy. I think about it now. Well, what are you saying? You're just saying that you're thinking about something. We want to yeah. know what you're thinking about at that time as opposed to what's just happening. Yeah. But, it, but because he kind of inverses it a little, it makes it feel more alive. And I just 
like the idea of that a line repeating but not in a chorus and it gives the song a, a strong identity yeah. almost wants you to join in you look forward to hearing it mm. because it kind of sounds out of place like that's not my name yeah he's talking about something else yeah. and then he goes back to it I love that but, uh, playing with that yeah repetition of that's not my name that's not my name yeah anything that repeats as well see this is a thing in poetry isn't it it's how often do you repeat without being accused of being boring or unimaginative because you could just repeat lines and then that would save you time having to write yeah wouldn't it yeah but i think you can do it i mean you can write however you want this is what i love about this song because in Mm. part two he kind of alludes to that although this is not specifically Mm. about poetry he says in part two Even with the rest belated, everything is antiquated. Are you writing from the heart? Are you writing from the heart? Even in his heart, the devil has to know the water level. Are you writing from the heart? Are you writing from the heart? So we can have all this debate about technique and Mm. that's all great. But it's got to come across as genuine and what you're honestly feeling. And I think he just... I think about it now. I'm honestly feeling this. And even if he is using it in a conceptual sense and he isn't, yeah. you know, he, he's just discovered it technically, it's an f- interesting thing to do. He can still sort of say at the same time, if I was a character in this song, I am thinking about that mm. now. I think it's really clever. It's a wonderful album. I recommend anyone to check it out. And I don't know how influenced he is by poetry, but it mm. seems pretty reasonable that he's read some. But yeah, so that was my choice. That was brilliant. Thank you. Okay, recently, Kate Bush published her lyrics as a book. I've been a big Kate Bush fan for a long time, but it's quite interesting that that it sort of opened up this debate about what is poetry and what is lyrics. And and, once you start publishing your stuff, I think uh, Neil Tennant's done it as well for Mm. Pet Shop Boys. The other thing I remember about this is Jarvis Cocker once said, uh, wrote on his his CDs, Mm -hmm. there'd be a little thing saying, please do not read the lyrics while listening to this CD. Oh, he was very right. specific about it on his on his liner note. So I just thought I'd read one, which uh, to me, as, as a song, has always been I've always found amazing. But I, I really like the lyrics in it, and just I'm just going to try and read it as a poem to see if it works as a poem. <laughs> see yeah. what you think. Yes. Okay. So this is it's part of her song cycle from um, Ariel, and uh, it's called Somewhere in Between. We went up to the top of the highest hill and stopped still. It was just so beautiful. It was just so beautiful. It was just so beautiful. This is where the shadows come to play, twixt the day and night, dancing and skipping along a chink of light. Somewhere in between the waxing and the waning wave. Somewhere in between what the song and silence say. Somewhere in between the ticking and the talking clock. Somewhere in a dream between sleep and waking up. Somewhere in between, breathing out and breathing in, like twilight is neither night nor morning. Not one of us would dare to break the silence. Oh, how we have longed for something that would make us feel so. Somewhere in between the waxing and the waning wave, somewhere in between the night and the daylight, somewhere in between the ticking and the talking clock, Somewhere in between what the song and silence say. Somewhere in between breathing out and breathing in.
It's part of this whole um, sequence in, in Ariel. I went to see her live at the, yeah. when she did it a few years ago, and she did the whole thing live. It's about kind of going from daytime to nighttime, and yeah. each of the songs is part of that cycle. And this is a moment where the, where the sun just sort of sets. But I think what it, what it hits on is just this kind of idea that where creativity exists is in this dream space, somewhere yeah. between a dream and waking up. And that's where the interesting mm. stuff is. That's yeah. where you, At the borders, almost. Yeah. Place. Yeah. Because if you say, okay, a spade is a spade, it's not, it's not poetry. But if you say a spade is uh, a cloud, then it's, it's kind of abstract and it's yeah. kind of, it doesn't mean anything. But if you put it somewhere which connects to the real world, yeah. but is using, drawing on these kind of abstract ideas, yeah. that's where the best kind of poetry lies yeah. for me. So this is what this is about. It's about that kind of halfway state where you can kind of dip in and access all this stuff and try and create something amazing out of it. How old were you when you heard this song? It's on Ariel, so it was 16 years ago. It's interesting with music lyrics, where things meet, being interesting, and that teeny bit between adulthood and the last parts of our education, Mm. we can feel it coming towards us. That's a kind of border, it's a sense, isn't it? Mm. And that's what seems to be one of the most pivotal moments between two different worlds, Mm. where we start to imagine things differently and mm. that's why music starts to mean so much for a lot of people oh, yeah. teenagers definitely yeah yeah I, mean, I remember being 16 and suddenly i didn't like anything that i've been listening to from growing up and suddenly like, there's always new indie music and stuff around yeah. it's like whoa what is this this is amazing and it just really fitted do you think that's where writers can find their identity or do you think the mm. seeds are planted in that part because I came from myself, I started writing quite late. But when I look back, I should mention I really like hip hop. Mm-hmm. So I've always liked the rhymes. It's yeah. blatant, yeah. blatant, you know, rhyming. Yeah. I don't know if that seeded something in me. That and that's mm. why I was attracted to it. Because you, you sometimes you're too within it to know. And if that is the case of those borders being interesting, then mm. I think it's good to focus on lyrics sometimes and why you like them, because yes. they might hark back to certain eyes yeah. when you were that age. I don't know, it's kind of speculating. Mm. Well, this is called Breaking Lines. We've done what it says on the tin, yeah. haven't we? <laughs> this is what it's about. You've got to break those lines. Lines broken. <laughs> Tick. Tick it off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, iTunes, if it's on iTunes, looks like a tinnish kind of grey, does it? No, I don't know. I haven't updated it. What does? The, the programme on the screen. I don't know. That's do not what I'm talking about. Really. We haven't kind put of... it out there yet, so no. we don't... Oh, yeah. well, I say we haven't put it out there. We have, but we don't know it, because <laughs> that's in the future, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, timey-wimey. Yeah. It goes back to what we were talking about yeah. before, about yeah. going back in time and... Maiming your PC. <laughs> as long as we don't have to cut any arms off. No. That's fine. Did we talk about that in the podcast, or was that before we started recording? That was in a dream somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Ah, somewhere <laughs> in between. I've got this feminine you hit my head before I came in the room. <laughs> All right. We're on to another writing exercise, aren't we? Oh, another writing exercise, right. So this this other one that we've got Mm. planned. This time we're going to write a short poem and you you can only you only have twenty five words to say the biggest thing that you possibly can, the biggest statement about anything, but in only twenty five words. Twenty five words. So you have to say something amazing and thought provoking that people will just go, Oh my god, that is incredible. But you only have twenty five words to play with. 
I've written right. 25 words, amazing, exclamation yeah. mark. And that's, right. that's it. That's what we want. We want you to do yes. this and um, send us in the, mm-hmm. the, your results as well. And yes, we'll be doing right. it during this break and, and this lovely tune. Like a train. train. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it is a train. What is it? Oh, this is inspiring. 25 words, I'm come on. To find you can do it. Yeah. I'm trying to look for the... Back, it? To the He's waiting for the train. Yeah. Yeah. He, he should use some of the modern day services. He's gonna be vastly disappointed. Yeah, he's not he's not in the transport hub, is he? To travel. He's chosen. He should have gone for a dormitory town somewhere. Alright. He's in a pinch point. Get off, get off, you railroad bound. He slammed the boxcar door. Welcome back to part three of Breaking Lines. Still here is me, David Van Corter. We still have Simon Cockle and we have Jay Ward. Hello. Hello. And we're, um, we've been talking mostly about poetry for the last however long it is. Well, it's, a, it's an hour take away the edits that we've made. So yes. for the last five minutes, we've been talking. Yeah. Yeah. So in the, in the break, you had time to write another workshop, and, and so have we. Yes. And your, your task was to use just 25 words to write about the biggest, most amazing thing you could possibly think about. Anyone want to go first? You're looking at me as if you want me to go first. I think it's your turn. That old reason. Yes. <laughs> that, that one, yeah. Um, so I, I wrote a poem called, Is Freedom Overrated? So here it is. The oil spill of space... Stranded stars yearn to fly away, but I look at you when the sky dies, the light beyond your life. You've crammed a lot into 25 words there. I thought I needed to cram. 
It's self-explanatory, isn't it? It is, one? yeah. <laughs> no, you've, you've covered all the bases with that one. But we have this kind of notion that the stars live and then the light Fakes. is always delayed. Is it like someone's life, in a way, that they don't see the light they leave? Delayed on the do... tarmac. Yeah, delayed. The you, tarmac, do, yeah. When you take off the death. <laughs> it's all in there. Something's going on, isn't it? Yeah. Is freedom overrated? There we go. Who's next? It's a question. Very good. Right, should I go next? Yes. Um, so you said big, so I wrote about the Big Bang. 25 words, so I was thinking, well, that's one less than the letters in the alphabet, so I've done an alphabet poem. A blinking chaos, doomsday echoes, focusing, growing huge, in jerking, kicking, looping multiverses. No ordinary pulsar, quite revolutionary. Sending, tumbling, unravelling vectors, whirling, expanding. Yes! Obviously I can't have Z because that would make it 26. You could have said yes. <laughs> what, what is it? You'd expanding? Was yeah. that your X word? Why I cheated there. I don't see why you didn't, why didn't you use xylophone. It would, well, it would have fit perfectly. Well, X-ray. I could yeah. try it really with X-ray. Yeah, but expanding is the Big Bang, right? Yeah. But it is, but it didn't begin with X. Well, it does with E. Well, oh, it does now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, you, is that you've crossed it out, but it actually is an X as well. That's quite beautiful in a way. All oh, right, I'll let you have that. That was very clever, it was very good. <laughs> oh, it was, you did yeah. that off the cuff, that's really clever. Well, you know, it was big, big. When you've got, right, it's got to begin with T, it's got to begin yeah, with yeah. U. Yeah. Um, it actually focuses you better, because yeah, you know, it, so, it limits your palate. That was very impressive. Thank you. Um, mine doesn't have a title at the minute. It will need one, otherwise it would be ridiculous. One. But anyway, time is nothing more than an idea. Breathing, heartbeats, walking, mark out the space between events in our lives. So kill your clock, live loose. 25 words. Originally it was going to be kill your clock, your clock. So I was going to just repeat your clock, but I changed that. To live loose. I might change it again. I like the idea of things being marked out biologically. Well, that's right. We don't need clocks. We just invented it. It's it's probably to do with the Industrial Revolution, isn't it? We invented clocks and things to make people turn up on time for work. In the Victorian age, I guess, um, Mm. it was all about aligning... There's quite a history of aligning time, Mm. which gave us GMT. It'd be a different time in Bristol compared to London, three minutes difference, and people used to live like that, and there'd be chaos. Right, so um, the next thing we do is we read our own poetry, don't we? We may have mentioned, Mm. I can't remember if we have, that we're poets, and we kind of write our own stuff. So I have a book coming out called Mirror Lake. It's a narrative about journeys, it's about loss, it's about coming to terms with things, and it's about kind of moving on. This is from fairly early on in the uh, collection. It's called um, Counting House. You're adding up the cost of things. Calculating how, by putting this much here, investing there, would allow more money to be saved and less pissed up the tree. More interest, less a compound of hard work and misery. Money eats us from inside. It gnaws away at all that we possess. The more we earn, the more we spend on items we don't need, and less on bonds that bind our palms tight with taut romantic glue. You said that money matters. I disagreed with you. And then the shouting started. I should pay more into our joint account. How little you'd have left if you put in the same amount. 
you'd worked it out exactly on the page. And when I said, your father was controlling your left hand, your mother, your head, you laughed. Although a simplified equation, it struck a nerve somewhere within the black of our last statements, where our cash reserve was draining from a fractured sense of self. Funny how a cheap smile brings a change of heart when adding up the cost of things. Mm, I love that, yeah. There's that thing, isn't there, with poetry, that idea of um, you come in powerfully and you leave lightly, don't you? So you start the poem off with a, a really powerful hook and then you leave the poem quite lightly. I, I think you did powerful in, powerful out. I thought that's really powerful image at the end. Yeah, I was talking about mm. palette just now. It's, it's mm. this idea of, well, when you've got an idea, you try and stick to that kind of language. Yeah. And, and this was a bit of a thing in that. I thought, right, money. Okay. Mm. I'm going to use as many money puns and kind of double meanings as I can. Yeah. And they just sort of cram it all in. And it's amazing how many terms you can come up with like that. You know, if you just, mm. again, it's another workshop idea. If you just sort of yeah. take, take an idea and just say, right, I'm going to use these words to mm. create this poem. And then just try and get as many double meanings as you can mm. out of it. And, uh, I like that a lot. Yeah, at the end is a way to get a hush in people listening or almost a less is more sometimes when you trail trail soft more softly towards the end i think it was well read like that beautiful poem i like the bit about the breaking through the fissures a fractured sense of self yeah i like that i like that one I think when you're in a relationship, it's all about, you know, money is kind of binds you. You go to work, you earn yeah. money for yourself. You've got that kind of sense of pride. Oh, I can hear my mother talking. Love goes out the window <laughs> when the money stops. Yeah, but it was true. You, you were saying about relationships, how odd money can be sometimes. I guess people don't want to contemplate it sometimes out of fear. Right, so let's move on. Shall I, I do one then? This uh, is a poem that comes from page 13 of my collection which is available on the Arenic Press website and Amazon. Right, OK, so I'm going to read a poem called Love Lock. Uh, if you don't know what a love lock is, a love lock are those padlocks that you get on bridges where two people fall in love and they have it inscribed with their names and something like a heart or whatever, and then they put it on a, a bridge. I went to the lovely Austrian city of Linz, I walked across the bridge, it goes across the Danube, and there was a lovelock there which caught my eye, and uh, this is what the poem's about. So this is Lovelock. A red padlock reflects the sun under a blue sky, fixed to the safety mesh of a four-lane bridge. The Danube moves east below, slow as words around the bow. An inscription, Ventsel loves Julia, paired hearts, sealed with a hand, romantic and machine precise who put it there him or her and are they still together an item in a coffee house somewhere across town the key may lie concealed in a warm coat pocket or dragging the riverbed i love, I love that poem each time i hear it like oh, different you. more and find more stuff in it every time. sure it's not a different poem that you keep it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds different every time i hear it last week it was about chips and now it's about something else i went back to Lintz for christmas last year oh, cool. 2018 and the padlock is still there so that's like three years later that's good to know that they are still together either that or they're both dead and they haven't had a chance to remove the padlock 
but it comes back to the Elvis Costello, you know, about their um, uh, they're dragging the lake. So that idea of dragging the riverbed at the end, they might have just chucked the key in the river and it's and it's just on the bed of the river, or it might be that it's a murder, or it might be that it's concealed in a warm coat pocket, and that word concealed is a bit sinister as well. I like the fact that the poem ends on a kind of it's a question isn't it you know what what has happened to them and the truth is out there somewhere a bit like the x-files i mean it's a gesture isn't it and it'll stay there forever because it'll stay on that bridge forever unless you know the bridge isn't knocked down or the city decide they don't want padlocks everywhere because they're a a menace to something i think it's just beautiful that it's a chance for people to join in and let it grow as something separate as well something to just notice in a sitting thing oh isn't mm. that lovely that normally wouldn't be there no isn't this quirkiness okay okay uh jay yeah i'll read from one should we say that we do anthologies every year poetry id does a an anthology of, of things that we've done that year and this would be from 2016 okay so this is called sharp he tidied the beer cans in the churchyard. He believes if it's a lie we need, then let's give it our most decent hope. She wonders outside, who owns the proxy light? Stained glass aligns a dream-coloured street. Back from a 12-hour shift, she can't cope. Why can't God make it easier? Why can't everyone be more kind? Sharp compasses draw a Venn diagram. Points to prove, I guess. Oh, I was just walking past the church and was feeling a bit at mercy of something, mm-hmm. I, I felt. And yeah, I, I know I wasn't the only one that was mm. feeling troubled. So I wanted to create a poem with two characters almost interacting with that place as a building or just as something they see every day. Yeah. And using a compass to see what links us, what separates us, mm. and how the experience of it can make us feel that we've touched something mm. at a sharp end. That's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. I like it, yeah. It's sharp. It's a sharp poem. <laughs> it's sharp, yeah. It's cutters. Mm. The anthology is called Paper Cuts. Yeah. Should we have one more, because I'm aware of the time. Uh, yeah. Should we have one more uh, each, and then... Yeah. up at that stage well, yeah. the structure of my uh, collection <laughs> my yeah. sort of home and away the Australian soap opera well funny enough it does, that does get a mention in one poem really? oh. yeah flaming go ah <laughs> where, where that's in Australia are you from um, with that accent New South Wales it's always New South Wales Brisbane so one is kind of domestic and the yeah. other one is travel we've had a quite a home one with them um, counting house so this is a very much an away one and this is from a, um, a world trip that i went on quite a few of them come from out mm. so this was um, sitting on a train in um, canada going east across canada for three days i think the name of the rail company was called via rail v-i-a via or via mm-hmm. this is called via saskatchewan in winter open plains of wide unknowable snow stretching out like blank unwritten pages punctuated now and then by a tree or a rock or a trail of prints not human souls or tire tracks but some invisible creature that calls this vast breath-freezing canvas home this journey's taken days and from my cozy snaking viewing car i try to capture snapshots Moments as snowflakes, caught before they melt inside this capsule, slowly meandering between freight trains, expanding landscapes, tiny towns. 
blink and it's gone. This transitory place is guided by old tracks and time that bends to a persistent rhythm. Gotta get up, gotta get out, gotta get there. And somewhere in the space between departure and arrival, I become one of my own photographs, a flaky outline of a passenger, a blurring shadow framed by frozen air. Wow, that's really good, yeah. I suppose it links into the what I was saying about Kate Bush in part mm. two, sort of being the sort of an in-between place, a transitory place. And it really feels like that when you're sort of in this particular, this amazing mm. landscape all around you, and mm. you're kind of going from one place to another, and it's mm. you're you're just kind of there, and then you're not there anymore, and no. you just take a photo and blink, and it's gone. It's just this was towards the end of the trip, so I've been yeah. travelling for about two months at this point. It's kind of like a summing up of the reason why I was going around the world, you know, yeah. kind of come home again. Things falling into place, I yeah. think. That's what it's about. book's called Mirror Lake, <laughs> and that's from it. I, I'll be buying it, certainly. Have I got time to read another one? I'll read the shortest one, and I won't even introduce it. Uh, Jupiter and the Moon. This morning, I saw the moon punched into the sky, and Jupiter, subordinate yet vast beyond reason, by its side. And I felt much as that ancient man must have felt as the impact of the car crash made birds fly out of his mouth. I love that imagery at the end. When I first read that poem to people about three years ago, I used to people say, oh, I really like that poem. And I go, yeah, because what I did was, and then I'd explain the poem and I'd explain the final stanza. And then I kind of realised, actually, I, I don't want to explain it. I don't. I, I would rather just leave it because once you know what the final image is all about, people go, oh, I, I get that now. But then actually that detracts from understanding the poem. Mm-hmm. So I've now stopped. I, I, I don't tell anyone about it anymore. <laughs> so I just I just kind of leave people to sort of... Well, the best poetry does that, you know. Yeah. It, it, it gets into your head and you're like, well, what was that? Didn't get yeah, that, but it's yeah. kind of made an impression on me. It's a hard one, isn't it? Because sometimes mm. somebody really wants to know. You want to say, oh, OK, it's about yeah. this. And then, and then um, but you, there's a part mm. of you thinking, I might have just killed it. It's like magic, isn't it? If you if you start, you know, if you do a trick like you pull a rabbit out of a hat, and then you spend the next five minutes explaining to people how you pulled a rabbit out of a hat. <laughs> Some friends of mine have actually taken that poem and they're going to teach it in school. Oh, they're, great. They're, they're teachers and they're going to actually take that poem and, and do it, form a lesson around it. Will they explain it, or will they just go? No, well, they, I mean, I haven't talked to them about what it's about. I mean, yeah. that's that, I mean, that's part of the thing about the poem is 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 trying to unlock it. That poem seems mm. to know about itself. It winks at you when you read it, and it? it kind of goes. I get like it. That, I it? get. Yeah. I get this. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah. That's... It's a winking poem. Isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's one of your famous winking poems, isn't it? <laughs> it's a poem for winkers, isn't it? <laughs> if you like that poem. You're a winker. You're flaming winker. Don't start doing yeah. that. <laughs> we'll get taken off before we've even been put on. Yeah, rightly so. I might have to split and form my own podcast <laughs> called the Independent <laughs> Podcast because I'm being backed by a, a, a shady company that uh, that are based in Panama. I think any Australian yeah. right now is very much welcome. Yeah. To start doing impressions of us mm. being like this. <laughs> 
Well, I mean... Because what is this? Isn't it some cricket competition? I don't know what's happened here. This is all that banter stuff, isn't it? Bants. It's only Bants. Bants, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Archbishop of Banterbury. (laughs) Bantavani. Okay, this is one of the first poems I wrote. I wrote it for a friend who was getting married. You might find it a bit... What's the word? Smoltzy? Go on, I guess. Okay, it's called Two Promise, and the two is a two number. You can't see the grammar. Can't see the words. (laughs) You can't Can't see see the numbers. (laughs) Life is a lottery of heartbeats. The biggest win is the final loss. So take my hand before February ends. Come see the snowdrops. Before the earth reclaims their wedding whites. In the meantime, prize. My light. Love is infinite, but doesn't possess its greed. And like good neighbours need walls, help me feel the touching of each other's skin, to be free of days made up of cells. In return for you, who cheers me like the bouquet stars above, I dare such a promise, alone, clutching this ticket through the rubble that is dark. That I think that was more lovely than schmaltzy. Mm. Oh, thank you. But, you know, with a, with a sort of sinister heart. <laughs> at the end, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I wanted to get a bit more realistic yeah. at the end. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that was too schmaltzy. That's all I need from that. It was that. good. It was, yeah. it's like I say, I wouldn't, you know, I think you dial down the schmaltz factor. It was written in mind of somebody getting married. Was it read at the wedding? It wasn't because no. um, I failed to send the email. I thought I'd sent it. And then uh, I realised I hadn't sent it. Well, that's but, quite uh, poetic in itself, yeah. isn't it? My friend you know, kept a copy and mm. showed people yes. how we felt. Would I just think in that poem, it's it's a typical version of how people view poetry. It's love and there's something in it that's a bit obvious. Accessible. We were talking about that, weren't we? It's mm. accessible, isn't it? Yeah. But I also think, like perhaps you said, there's enough in there to, that, that mm. tweaks away from the... And what's wrong with that? What's wrong, what's wrong with, like, with that, yeah. Yeah, why does everything have to be so... Dark and... It, it can't just, rhyme yeah. and, it, you know, it yeah. can't be about certain things. Yeah. I think if it's strong enough, it's fine. Absolutely, yeah. Because mm. you can go that's, and do other things. That's shards, isn't it? Come back to shards. Mm. Shards. If you'd have yeah. stuck the word shard in there, shard instantly in there. it would have become darker. And because you can put shard in anything, can't you? I put shard and then yeah. put a dash and then enfreund, or you know the yeah. German for embarrassment. Do you know what makes me laugh is when people can't pronounce the word Schadenfreude. I can't pronounce. I love it when I people struggle. do that. Yeah, 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 I like do that. you get it? Yeah, I do get it. Yeah, but I genuinely <laughs> struggle to pronounce. I just literally made that joke up. <laughs> I copyright that now. Good. Oh, you're going to tell us the word gullibles we're taking out of the dictionary now, aren't you? Has it? <laughs> oh no! Oh, no. Oh, I can't believe yeah, that no. we fell for that, yeah. and that makes us mm. gullible. Yeah. That's the irony. That's comedy for you. That's that's, that's just comedy gold. That's going to be the theme of our next podcast. It's comedy gold. Comedy gold. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think um, we have outstayed our welcome on this particular podcast. Then you get to choose the last piece of music. It's Jay's choice, I think. It is, is, yeah. Is there any... Oh, do you remember the one that we... The Prince Albert Hunt's Texas Ramblers. Do you remember we were listening to that? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Do you want me to press... Just check if there's anything by the um, Berlin... 80s Schadenfreude group. No, there isn't. <laughs> I can't search because it won't let me to. So I just, so I just play it. Then? Yeah, that's. Well, no, let yeah. me. Well, I want to press the button. Okay, here you go.
Oh, yeah. There you go. Uh, you, you, you professed a liking for this, didn't you? Yeah. You thought this could be the intro music. Yeah. Yeah, I said that, yeah. Could be. I think your voice was talking at the time, though. Well, we can have the intro. (laughs) Not the voice inside your head. Uh, Yeah. The intro and the outro music, and then it would be like it would be like it was almost planned. Yeah. Hoedown. Have we have we actually said goodbye? Not quite. I think we should. Okay. Before they start singing, I've got to stop dancing. Let's pause and then stop and then goodbye. (laughs) Oh, it's just me. (laughs) Goodbye. Well, it's been wonderful and uh, very much enjoyed it and look forward to seeing you all next week with more of your letters and poems Mm. that we will fabricate. (laughs) I've I've just checked the dictionary and Gunnable is in there. (gasps) Oh, well, that was me me told. I I believed it. (laughs) That makes you gullible, doesn't it? But the the other one, it's not in there. (laughs) Ridiculous. Right. Thank you very much. I was going to say goodbye. I was just updating. Okay. Oh, well, uh, bye, bye, yeah, everyone. Bye. Thanks bye. for listening. Thank you. Bye. See you next yeah. time. See you next week.